I'm Taz, and welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Sometimes it is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing to be in love. And here at Sisters Who Kill, we encourage love. We really do. If y'all know me personally, y'all know I love love. But when you start distancing yourself from your love, it can always turn into a toxic situation. And we always know that a toxic situation is just one step away from murder. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. So our players this week are Jeremy Warrior, Alicia's husband and the victim, Darrell Rogers, Alicia's side piece and co-defendant, Jamar Moore, Darrell's cousin, and Alicia Warrior, our murderess. Alicia Warrior was born Alicia Southern on October 25th, 1976 in Kennett, Missouri. And she also, you know, born and raised there. She grew up a carefree, pretty joyful child. Everybody described her as happy and really enjoyed school. When she was young, it was just her and her mom. And then uh, she was actually raped by a close family member. And people said after that, she turned into like a super angry child. She was... uh, she really internalized that hurt as a child and as a teenager, and she didn't really tell anybody about it. And it was way later in her life that people found out about this whole situation. Um, in her early teens, she moved from Missouri to Kansas. And in Kansas, that's when she kind of was really getting back on track, getting back to being that happy, joyful kid that she was when she was a lot younger. She, when she was in high school, she made lots of friends. She made good grades. She seemed to be pretty happy. After she graduated from high school, she went on to a community college. And when she went to this community college, she met this guy. Hooray. And then what did she do? Sis fell in love. She ends up marrying this guy. They marry each other very, very quickly. And in the same year, they get a divorce. So fast forward, Alicia's now 25, she's divorced, and she's got this job as an office assistant. Well, one day she was about to leave, and she's headed out, and she was like, ooh, who is he? I need to know him. So turns out he was the janitor who worked at the office, right? And she was like, okay, you know, chef don't judge, he cute or whatever, and... Like I said, Augusta gets to know him. So his name was Jeremy Warrior, right? And turns out the reason he was working as a janitor there was because he was on a work release program at the jail. 
or at the nearest prison, right? So basically he was an inmate there, but because he had like um, a low-level crime and a good record in there, they let him out to go work. And he got to be the uh, janitor at this office that she was working at. So, you know, it turns out he's feeling her too. So they chatting it up or whatever. She's like... I just don't understand. I'm sorry. Like, you fucking with the janitor, fine. You know, the niggas spark your interest, cool. But then on top of that, you say, oh, you in jail right now? (laughs) I mean, I guess them walls didn't seem to, you know, too much of a boundary because she still got to see them in the flesh in person. Only at work, but, you know. She got to know this man. And turns out he was getting out soon. And he really shouldn't even been in jail. It was all some sort of a misunderstanding, right? Because what he had told her was that he used to be married before, too. And things got pretty bad with him and his ex-wife. And she used to she used to wild out on a nigga. And one day they got into an argument. And she steps to him with a gun. And he was like, girl, you're not about to shoot me. She was like, nigga, want to bet? So now they sitting here struggling over the gun and the shit accidentally pop off. And he end up shooting her in the foot. And she was like, you shot my pinky toe. And so basically, it was his first strike. He got put in a low-level prison or low security prison or whatever but you know like he said all just a misunderstanding he didn't mean to so even his family was like you know jeremy's just this big teddy bear he's just always there to help whenever anybody needs it and even when nobody asks just ready to help and they also knew that this shooting was some bullshit or whatever and they was just ready for him to do his time and get his chance to start over You know, she's really getting to know him as a person, looking beyond the flaws. And at this point, she was like, nigga, when you getting out? (laughs) When you getting out? She can make this shit for real. (laughs) She did. She wanted a hood, nigga. And she was like, oh, you got a record? She liked a little danger. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes that makes girls feel secure. You know what I'm saying? They got to know that you worse off than them. You know what I mean? So then they not ashamed by any shit that they get into. You know what I mean? To <laughs> meet me on my level. <laughs> See? Mm-mm. Feeling protected. That is not how I feel protected. <laughs> <laughs> so a few months pass and Jeremy gets parole. He out. Alicia is there to pick him up from the prison, right? So they became dating for they began dating for real now that he on the other side of the bars or whatever. And within a year, the two got married. And Jeremy's uncle was like, the wedding was great. Both the whole family was there. We loved her. Her family loved him. It was perfect. We'll happily ever. They was proud of him. They was like, yeah, "Yeah, you came out here, made a life for yourself. A man that finds a wife finds a good thing, you know? And then, not just that, but word on the street is that Alicia was infertile or she couldn't get pregnant or whatever. Turns out Jeremy had a kid with this ex-wife of his. So she's like, you know, not only am I feeling this nigga, but he got a family waiting on me too. And he was like really involved. He was fighting for custody and shit. And him and his baby mama going back and forth, or his ex-wife going back and forth about who going to get the child when and da-da-da, like, you know. 
It's all love. He just want to be a daddy to his daughter, take care of his business. Know what I mean, and she was like, I like that. A family man, like we can really get this shit started. So yeah, they're married. They moved to the suburbs in Kansas City. They got them a nice little house and they started living like this white picket fantasy, right? Like they, they've got it all. So Jeremy finds a job driving trucks for a concrete company. Alicia, she's struggling to get a steady job, but, you know, she's trying to work. Time passes. It's two years into their marriage, and Alicia just finds herself unhappy. Her man always at work. And it's like, yeah, he making money, but she's not doing anything fulfilling. She can't find a steady job. Doesn't have a good group of friends in her mouth. She's bored. She doesn't have a good group of friends around. She's just bored. You know what I mean? Like... All I do is wait for this nigga to come home. This nigga tired because he been at work all day. I just, it's irky. I'm over it. After searching, searching, searching for two years, she finally finds herself a job that she actually likes. She starts working at an insurance company. She's like, okay, I can stick around here for a little while. And while, and because she's working, you know, when you start working, you start making friends because you're coworkers. And so she goes out to get some drinks after work, after work with some of the girls at her job. And she meets this nigga named Darrell. And of course, it's the club after work. She got her wedding ring on. He see it. He don't care. She don't, she ain't trying to hide it. And they and they kind of kick it off almost immediately, you know, flirting eyes. And Darrell, he wasn't no angel himself. He was right up her alley, bad boy, just got out on parole for felony weapon charges. And apparently, like, that same night, she left the club with him and was good to go. That She was like, mm, yes, some excitement. Take me now. So she leaves that night, you know, she comes back home and then she starts being like, Darrell, like, I can't get enough of Darrell. Like, I got to spend all my time with Darrell, like me and this is my new boo. But she must have forgot that she got her man at home and he's getting pissed. Jeremy is like, you out all the time. I come here, you don't want to kiss me. You acting distant as fuck. What's really going on? He confronts her and she's like, no, nothing is happening. He's like, you cheating on me? What's going on? You cheating on me? Tell me now because you acting like you acting like you cheating at this point. And she's like, no, I'm not cheating on you, baby. I love you. I just, we just, you know, we just got to get reconnected. We just need to make sure that we get back on the same page, baby. Like, it's just, we, we've had so many problems. I just, let's just, let's just like turn over a new leaf. Let's just make sure that we get ourselves together, make sure we get this relationship right. And you know, he like, all right, cool. Let's, you know, let's make sure she's like, you want some, you want some good, good tonight. He like, yeah, I want some good, good tonight. So they kiss and make up and things start going pretty well between the two. Alicia, she's like, okay, I'm going to be committed to my marriage. But you know, she's still seeing Darrell on the side. You know, she couldn't get enough of him. So, like we said, she was working at an insurance company. And while she was at work for the insurance company, she was like, you know what? I just realized me and Jeremy are eligible for life insurance policies. And it wasn't a small life insurance policy, even though they were young. Like they were eligible for about a $400,000 policy. And she goes and tells Darrell, she's like, yeah, work today. Work was great. I found out that I could get a um, a life insurance policy for me and Jeremy. And it'd be $400,000. Ha, ha, ha. We should, if we, I should get in, we should kill him. And Darrell's like, yeah, do that shit. And she's like, ha, ha, okay. 
So she's like, Jeremy, look, this wonderful thing. You have a kid. We want to have this family. The best thing to do, the best next step is to make sure that we have life insurance. I work for the company. So, you know, I'm going to make sure that our policy is right. And he, of course, thinks this is a great idea. Life insurance is usually a great idea for planning for your future people. So he's like, great. This sounds like a plan. And he signs the paperwork, and both of them now have full life insurance policies worth up to $400,000. Once that was put in place, the plan was put in motion for Alicia and Darrell to get rid of Jeremy. They come up with this elaborate plan. They're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. You're going to pretend to carjack us, and you're going to shoot Jeremy, and you're going to you know, take the car, rob us, whatever. And she's like, "Mm, you know, maybe, maybe you should shoot me too. So it seemed like I get, I get hurt. So, you know, it definitely looks like I wouldn't be involved. And they come up with this plan and they're like, great, we're going to do it. I'm not going to shoot myself for nobody. Honestly, I love the commitment though. No, mm -mm. I'm not shooting myself for nobody. But that's where a lot of people fall short is they be like, so you was there and they attacked only the other person and not you. But she said she wasn't bitch made. She was willing to mm. follow through with it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm not, I'm not going to be like, okay, baby, you're going to kill him and then shoot me. I right? That's crazy. <laughs> but she was like, listen, if you shoot me in the leg, it's going to heal. We're going to be fine. Everything's going to be straight. So they both agreed that, like, that night he was going to rent a van. Um, She was going to flash her lights to let them know, you know, the plan was still on. They were going to execute their plan like they had been planning for weeks. So the next day, Darrell goes to his friend Jamar Moore, right? So him and Jamar go way back. They was childhood friends. Jamar said he always looked up to this nigga. And as they grew up together, you know, he was like... We used to get in shit together. We hit licks together, do all types of hood shit together. You know what I mean? It's my boy. He rocking, I'm rolling. So Darrell goes to Jamar and he was like, listen, I need you to help me rob this dude, right? He said, all you got to do is drive the SUV. I'm going to do all the work. And Jamar's like, bet, nigga, you want it, you got it. Not for nothing, though, because <laughs> ain't shit in life free, right? So for doing this deed, Darrell said he going to break him off with a little change. He going to give him $3,000. Jamal was like, that'll work. Let's get it. $3,000 to drive the car? I guess that's a reasonable amount if you're not pulling no trickers or seeing no blood. You know what I mean? So, and you know, in, uh, in For My Man, they had it as if Jamar was asking, so nobody's going to get hurt, right? <laughs> and Darrell said, Nobody's going to die. (laughs) So they kind of make it seem as if Jamar didn't completely know what was going on, but who knows. So on April 22nd, 2005, Alicia and Jeremy, they kicking shit, watching TV, going through their regular routine or whatever. And Alicia tells Jeremy, you know what, babe? I'm going to take you to work in the morning. Got to get the headlight fixed on a car. So I'm going to handle business while you're at work. Okay, and, you know, usually Jeremy drove himself, but he was like, all right, you know, it makes sense. Appreciate you handling shit. So she's like, yeah, I'm going to take you to work, go buy Firestone, get this shit, be good. So next morning, 
They wake up. It's like 5, 5.30 a.m. It's time for Jeremy to get to work. So Alicia gets up, too, and gets into their dark blue Nissan Altima, starts driving him to work. He should have known because bitches that drive Nissan Altimas, <laughs> they be the ones. They be the ones. So I don't trust no bitch that drive a Nissan Altima. That's crazy. And especially no nigga that drive a Nissan Altima. Especially no nigga. Now, what sh- where did this come from? It's just a fact of life. You know, um, just things you know. <laughs> uh, what's the name? Redacted number three. What's that girl that you, the girl that you were like, you, we, we only live, we're only young ones. You can bring her to come hang out with us. She drove a Nissan Altima. You know, she was obsessed with me <laughs> that night. Um, <laughs> so. She's driving a few minutes into the drive. You know, they drive past the neighbor out getting his mail. Hey, I am. But, like, why are you checking your mail in the a.m.? You should have got that shit last night. Ain't no mail delivered at 5 a.m. <laughs> um, Listen, <laughs> that might be his routine. Why are you mad at him for doing <laughs> his routine on his property? <laughs> Maybe he was getting a morning newspaper or something, but just checking the mail ain't clicking for me because what? It's that urgent that you're getting it at 5 a.m.? Well, you know, some... But not urgent. Know, the mailman nowadays be coming at like 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. I had already ate dinner and the mailman coming. I ain't going out there. But you going out at 5 a.m.? At that point, you might as well get on your drive to work. Maybe that's part of his routine. It must be. So, you know, they drive past this man. They drive a little further. And Alyssa sees Darrell's car. She flashes her lights. And this is like her signal for him, you know, (laughs) it's me, nigga. Do what you gonna do. So she starts to slow up. And then she rolls down Jeremy's window. And I'm sure Jeremy's like, if I'm in a passenger seat... Why are you touching my window? You have your own window. And you're not even rolling down both windows, just my window? Because you know the is going to go back and you have to balance it out, right? Mm -hmm. But she just rolls down his window. Next thing you know, Darrell comes running to the car and fires six shots in that bitch. The Nissan crashes into a ditch in the neighborhood, and it's not far from their house. Jeremy's unresponsive, and... Alicia's in the car moaning and in pain until she finally loses consciousness. In pain because she told this nigga to shoot her. <laughs> Streaming October 6th on Paramount+. Plus. first place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land would come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery Bloodline Rated R. Streaming only on Paramount Plus. She told him to shoot her. So the neighbor getting his mail, he's like, I seen it all, you know. It's called 911. Officers dispatched to the scene. It's like 5:34 a.m. and they're like, we see bullet holes all on the passenger window, nothing on the driver's side. But a bullet did go through the right side of the driver's headrest. That is a close call. Um, Two bullets entered the passenger side of the car and came out the back door of the driver's side. 
and they witnessed two bloody people in the car. It was Jeremy and Alyssa. Jeremy was pronounced dead on the scene, and Alyssa was rushed to the hospital and was there for the next few days in ICU trying to recover. The injuries weren't life-threatening, but she she was out for a couple of days trying to recover in the ICU. Like, you know, I heard she was in a coma for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So, like, the police were trying, they were like, she's, she's going to survive. She may be in a coma right now, but she's going to survive. So they were checking on her constantly, like, every two to three hours. Said, Did she wake up? Did she wake up? Have she woken up yet? As soon as she wake up, we got to talk to her. <laughs> Damn, nigga, let me breathe. Right. On April 26, 2005, Alicia wakes up from her coma and her Jeremy's mom is there. Jeremy's uncle is there. Her family is there. His, you know, they, they was, they was tight knit. And the first thing that comes out of her mouth is like, where's Jeremy? And they're like, oh baby. She's like, where's Jeremy? What happened to my husband? You know, like last thing she remembered was them getting shot at. She's like, what happened to my husband? Where is he? And they, you know, break the news. You know, Jeremy didn't make it. Jeremy died. And she's like, oh, she's crying. She's hysterical. The um, doctors come in. The doctors are like, hey, ma'am, it's so so glad that you're awake. And she's just, and she asked them, you know, what happened to my husband? The doctors again is like, you know, he didn't make it. He was like, we just want to talk about your injuries. So, you know, you were shot one time. And the bullet hit through, came through your side and hit your spine. So I'm so sorry to tell you that you're paralyzed from the waist down. You're never going to walk ever again. And she's like, what? You're not going to walk. And she is just like freaking out. She has no idea what and how could this possibly happen? Because that, that bill was not part of the plan. <laughs> that was not part of the plan because the bullet did not hit her leg that bullet hit her her side and hit that spine so police come and they're like okay hey Alicia I'm so glad that you're awake can you tell us anything do you remember anything that happened and she tells the police she's like okay I went out to a party the night before and I got home late and Jeremy was pretty upset and you know we was you know we kissed and make up we had a little shower do to do and I I felt so bad that I was like, let me drive you to work, babe. You know, his headlight is out. So I was I was just like, let me drive him to work. You know, that's not me. And I was making up for staying out late. Now, when I was driving, a red SUV turned and like cut us off to the point where we pulled over to the side. And when we were behind this SUV, two Hispanic men jumped out of the back seat, came up to the car. One was on Jeremy's side. One was on my side. And all I remember is hearing gunshots. And next thing you know, I'm here. She was like, but, you know, yeah, I was out. But me and Jeremy, like, we we had such a great relationship. Like, we just loved each other so much. I'm so distraught. I cannot believe that he is dead. And the police are like, okay, okay. Um, hey, do you know a man named Darrell Rogers? And she's like, who, 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 who did you ask? And they're like, Darrell Rogers, because they leave and they're like, oh no, bro, something ain't right here. Because based off of what we've we've discovered before she woke up, 
and what she's telling us is just not making sense. So they're like, you know, man, you know, get some rest. If you remember, if you clarify anything, you just hit us up. You just let us know, okay? And they're just like, okay, you know, we we talked to this neighbor that was getting the mail. He said he saw one person come out. She's saying there were two Hispanic men, but only one window was rolled down. And if they came on both sides, wasn't why wasn't both windows rolled down? I could tell you why. Because if I'm in the car with a man, I'm not rolling the window down. That's not happening. No. Why? Safety. If you're in the car with a man, you're not rolling the window down. I'm not rolling my window down. No, my window down. Because I was saying if they, uh, they were saying... You know, only his window was rolled down, but there were two people. So why would, why wouldn't both windows be rolled down? And that's why. Is this like a general rule? You'll never ride with the man with the window down. I think it's a general rule that if somebody approaches the vehicle and I have a man in the car, I'm not going to roll a window Mm -hmm. down. Okay, I'm with you now. So the police are just like, I don't know all these questions. I just something ain't right. We'll we'll we just gonna have to look into this and look into her story and. See if it's the truth and fit all the pieces together. You know, they're still doing their detective work. So they pull her phone records and they were discovered there was a lot of calls between Alicia and this dude named Darrell. And specifically on April 23rd, 2005, which was the day of the shooting, literally minutes before the shooting was, the shooting happened, there were calls exchanged between the two. In two months, they had called each other 52 times. Oh, jeez. So y'all talk all day, every day. That's at least once a day. That's a lot of calls. But I guess if you sleep and waking up in his bed, you ain't got to call the next day. Because you dare. Um, but they also were like, okay, so you called him 52 times in two months. Y'all called each other a couple times minutes before um, Darrell was murdered. I mean, minutes before Jeremy was murdered and you were shot in the leg. And since you've been in the hospital, there have been three calls. So what's going on with that? So it's April 30th, four days after um, her initial interview, right? And officers come back to the hospital to ask Alicia some more questions. They're like, you know, we understand you've been through a lot. Let me know if you get tired at any point. Um, you know, we respect the fact that you're still recovering. So the interview lasts about 30 minutes, and it wasn't recorded. But what happened during the interviews was there was like, um, we're just trying to work through a couple of things here, right? So things that we need to know. It was like, uh, we're trying to work through some things here, right? Uh, we're trying to establish a motive, cover all our bases, and... They're like, you know, <clears throat> ain't nobody trying to put you out there like that. But um, word on the street was you was having an affair with Darrell. Alicia's like, no, no. Like, love Jeremy. We was together. Like, no, that's not the case. It was like, well, do you know Darrell? She said, I know of him. Mm-hmm. But do I know him? No. So the cops are like, listen, the night before the shooting, you went to a party. Also at this party was Darrell. And he was there with a friend named uh, Shamar. They had gotten into some trouble together a few times back. And, you know, 
trying to see how this plays out in this situation. Uh, if y'all were there together or not, why are there so many calls between the two of you so shortly after? And what are you talking about? It was like, and furthermore, <clears throat> we talked to a couple of witnesses at this party and they said that they saw you and Darrell together, but not just together, but hugged up, kissing, touching, booty rubs and everything, dancing on the dance floor, doing all that. So, um, mm-hmm. what y'all had to talk about once you left? And she says, you know what? Y'all remember how y'all told me to let y'all know if I was feeling ill and we needed to shut this down? I think it's about that time. Y'all gotta go. I'm gonna go lay down. I'm not feeling too well. As you all see, I'm recently paralyzed. Got a lot going on over here. I don't need this. Officers respect her space. They leave, but they're continuing their investigation. So it's May 3rd, 2005. The police are like, all right, let's talk to her one more one mo again. This is the third time that the police have talked to her. Um, they show up, and Alicia is there, of course, with her mother, her sister. Her aunt was visiting her as well. And they start recording the conversation, start asking her questions. And right off the bat, Alicia is like, you know what? I have something to say. You know how we were talking about Darrell? Well, I do know Darrell. In fact, I was having, I, you're right, I was having an affair with Darrell. And I started falling in love with him just so deeply and so fast. And it was really causing problems at home because I wanted to be with him. And Jeremy didn't like the fact that I was staying out all late trying to do him whatever. And he had no idea, like, who I was hanging out with or anything. But he had his suspicions, but he wasn't really fully aware that I was having an affair. And she said that Darrell, he was just so controlling. Like, he was manipulative. He was really aggressive. When he when they would be out late and Jeremy be calling, they were like, yeah, Jeremy would call me multiple times because Jeremy's uncle was like, he call all the time and she'll maybe be answered one time while she's out. And if you married, why are you not answering your husband's phone call? And she was like, I wasn't answering his phone calls because Darrell would get so angry and jealous when Jeremy would call. And I just I just didn't want to go through that. And um, You can't be jealous when you boyfriend number two. <laughs> and she was like, you know, before the shooting, like... I would drop Jeremy off at work and then immediately I would go pick up Darrell because um, he was he was at his mama house. And so I pick him up from his mama house early in the morning and basically he would be with me. He would be driving me around. He would be at my job. If I was at work, I'd let him ride my car. You know, I'd let him drive my car during the day or whatever. And when I got off, he'd pick me up. We'd spend the evening together. I'd drop him back off at his mama's house and then I would go pick up my husband for work or I'd go back home and my husband would be there from work. And the police are like, oh, oh, really? Well, please, ma'am, keep going on with your story. She keeps giving them this information and she says, you know, the night before the shooting, she went to pick up Darrell and when she pulled up, he was in a gold SUV and he was with another friend, Jamar. And so the police is just sitting there, they're letting her talk and she's like, you know, I have another confession to make. 
it wasn't two Hispanic men that shot at us. It was just Darrell. And they're like, really? She's like, yes. And they're like, well, why did you say it was two Hispanic men? And they were like, were you were you scared of him? And she's like, uh, yes, I was. I was scared of him. And that's why all of this is going down. So the officers are like, okay, I feel like this girl is way more involved than she is claiming to be. And on top of that, Jeremy's uncle was like, I saw somebody really suspicious in in the uh, hospital and he was wearing a hoodie. He was acting like he was trying to voice in my face and he was coming from, you know, the area of her room. And I didn't want to snitch, but it's just something in my gut told me that this wasn't right. And it turns out that Darrell showed up at the hospital and the police were like, why is Darrell here? Like, if he's the one that shot you, why would he be here? And she's like, oh, um, well, he just came by because he wanted to say that he was sorry for shooting me and that he didn't want me to, you know, talk to the police. I'm just so scared of him. But he was, he was the one that shot me. And the police are like, oh, okay. So now they're looking for Darrell. So it's May 5th and the cops are back at the hospital. They walk in and they first question is, you want to tell me why you rented a SUV? And Alyssa's like, well, I rented it two days before we got shot because Darrell wanted to take his kids to the World of Fun in Kansas on the 22nd. They question her some more. They're like, stop making sense. And Alyssa's like, listen, okay, fine. It was Darrell. Darrell shot me, okay? Like, for real this time, he shot me. So they're like, great. You've identified Darrell as a shooter. We about to go pick his ass up. So they're like, great. Now we can go pick up Darrell. They couldn't find Darrell. They were searching for this nigga. They was like, hey, you need to tell this man to come through. They put in a, um, putting it on the things. We want Darrell. There's a warrant out for his arrest. And Darrell gets wind of this. And he's like, the fuck? He calls the cops and he was like, hey, I'm going to be there and we're going to discuss whatever the fuck y'all feel like we got to discuss, okay? And the cops are like, okay, you know, that was easy. Cool. Come on in. And they talked to this man and he was like, nah, I ain't shoot nobody. They're like, unfortunately for you, we've got an eyewitness. And he was like, an eyewitness? And he was like, mm-hmm. Alicia has identified you as... The shooter. And Darrell's like, well, ain't that about a bitch? He's in there. They have arrested him. He's sitting in jail. But, you know, money ain't quick to flip. You know what I mean? He ain't said shit yet. It's right before Darrell's preliminary hearing, and they're about to go over bail and the charges and all that. Ellis's lawyer calls and was like, hey, I got some bad news. And the cops are like, what? And it was like, Alyssa recanted her story. She no longer identifies Darrell as a shooter. And it's like, the hell? She, no, she can't just take that shit back. And it was like, listen, she was under duress. She Almost was under duress. Y'all was stressing her out in that hospital bed. She was hopped up on medicine, you know, delusional, irritated, overwhelmed. It's just, it, it wasn't a good idea. You just, it, we won't be able to testify to that, right? So the cops are like, oh, mm-hmm. all right, well, bro, we can't hold you no longer. I guess you're free to go. As they 
continue to investigate. Alicia, once Darrell gets out, she's reaching out to him. And a nigga pissed. He's like, girl, you done had me in jail. And she was like, okay, you know, sorry, but I got you out. And he was like, you know how long you had me sitting in there? And she was like, let's not get too rowdy because you were in jail for a few months. I'm in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. So let's <laughs> calm down. Um, by the way, I just got paid. Darrell finds it in his heart to forgive her. <laughs> and they move in together. Now, all this time, the cops are still watching him, still trying to investigate the case or whatever. But it's like months and stuff going by, and they live together, and they spending this little $400,000. Darrell's taking care of her, you know, being the caretaker that she needed, and Alicia's taking care of him, being the provider that he wants. <laughs> And they living like 400,000 is 400 mil. You know what I mean? Like, this shit gonna last forever. And I'm sure not, neither, name one of them. I know for sure that the they time. said that uh, Darrell was not. And I doubt that she was because she had the damn check. But they were spending it together. They bought mm-hmm. cars, they bought a house, I heard. And I heard they was just blowing money fast, right? On February 2nd, 2016, it's like a year later, and Alyssa has to give a deposition to the district attorney's office, right? And, like, she's not in any trouble or anything, but they damn sure gonna see if they can catch her in some shit. During the deposition, Alyssa, for the most part, reverts to her first statement to the officers, stating that she cannot identify the shooter, and she says it was true that it was two Hispanic men who attacked her, but she clarifies that she had only seen one guy this time, right? Now, according to Alicia, the SUV at the scene was gold or champagne. Um, I'm just kidding. That was gold or champagne and not red. She said she wasn't sure if it was the one that she rented. And then they're like, okay, well, you know, tell us about your relationship with Darrell at the time of this shooting. And so under oath, Alicia says that this was a friendship. She did admit that Darrell had visited her in the hospital, but only to apologize for seeing her hurt. She denied having any further contact with Darrell and denied that he made any threats to her. They continued to live together, Alicia and Darrell, for the next two years. You think they can't see where you live, though? You think they're not watching you? I had somebody court ordered that we couldn't live together. And one time the volunteer sheriff pulled around just to see what was going on. So they were living in bliss. They were having a great time. And that was until 2008 when their entire world came crumbling down because do y'all remember Jamar? Now, if y'all don't remember Jamar from earlier in the story, Jamar is the person that they owed, that they were said that they were going to pay $3,000 to to be the getaway driver, right? So... Jamar shows up to the police station. He's like, I got something to tell you. He tells them everything that happens. He tells them about Alyssa and Darrell were having an affair. He tells the fact that that Darrell and Alyssa approached him because they wanted to off Alyssa's husband. And they said, "Uh, well, if you just drive the car, we'll give you $3,000. And he said, all right, bet. He talks about the night before. Remember those phone calls that were happening back to back? from Darrell's phone to Alyssa's Alyssa's phone. Well, he knows everything that was happening during those phone calls. 
so around the time that Jeremy was supposed to go to work, remember Alyssa Drope was about getting ready, had to calm him down. They had a little nookie. Darrell calls Alyssa and is like, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, I'm co- I'm coming. You know, I'm trying to hurry up. Like, just, we, it's still on. We're still doing it. So he's parked down the street. Darrell gets out of the car. Darrell gets back into the car. Finally, Alyssa shows up in that Nissan Altima, flashes her light so they know that it's, a, it's go time. Darrell jumps out of the car, shoots Jeremy from the passenger side. Jamar starts rolling off. Darrell gets back into the car. They roll off and he does his thing like he's supposed to. Now, the police are asking him. They're like, okay, now, if all this is true, why are you telling us this now? Like, this happened in 2005. It's 2008. And Jamar just looked at them and was like, they never paid me. And ain't that some shit? (laughs) And so after Darrell finds out about Jamar's confession, well, after the police find out, they, of course, go and arrest Darrell and Alyssa. Initially, the police were like, okay, y'all say y'all in love. Let's see whose love is going to hold up. Who's going to spill on who? Who's going to tell on who first? And when Darrell found out about Jamar's confession, Darrell was like, yeah, dog, go ahead and give me a plea deal. So he took a plea deal, pled guilty for first-degree murder. And Alicia, she was like, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to stand trial? Am I going to take a plea deal as well? And, you know, right now, she's in a wheelchair, so she looks pretty sympathetic. So Alicia's arrested, and she's like, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to stand trial? Am I going to take a plea deal as well? And she's like, mm, I'll roll the dice. And she gets ready to go to trial. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. So, Alicia is charged with premeditated first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. The prosecution wanted the jury to know just how premeditated this crime was. So, they gather in the witnesses. You know how they like to do. They had the manager of the Firestone Auto Shop come in, and the manager told the jury that his that his store employees had broken the car's headlight when it came in for repairs before Jeremy's death. The store ordered the part and was planning on replacing the headlight at no charge, but the part had not arrived before the day of Jeremy's murder, which means that's not really where you was headed, right? They also had a forensic pathologist that testified that the bullets that hit Jeremy entered the right side of his body and that the shooter would have been outside and in front of the passenger side window, not on both sides of the car, as if two guys were actually there, right? So then they get the neighbor who was out checking his mail to testify to seeing Alyssa's car go past and a gold SUV and a person with a gun running up to the SUV and then hopping over and pop by, you know. Then the real smoking gun was Jamar Moore. And he testifies about everything he knows. And the fence, the fence is like, well, we thought Alyssa could save herself on that stand, but uh, the, the, the jury, after hearing things, they're, they're losing sympathy. Like... You came in with the wheelchair and it started you off good. But after all this plotting and screaming, they looking at her like, girl, you got what you deserve, but just some of it because another thing coming. So the defense has Alicia explain that she did not initially tell the police about the affair because, you know, she didn't want the information to come out so soon after, you know, her husband had just died. She no longer claimed that there was a red SUV involved in the attack. Instead, she was like, oh, it was like a gold or a champagne colored SUV. And and when she was asked, you know, 
did you rent the SUV from Hertz? She was like, I believe so. I'm not for sure. She denied talking to Jamar or anybody about shooting Jeremy. And she claimed, you know, that she didn't know the identity of the shooter. There was, She was like, there's no connection between, you know, Jeremy's murder and the life insurance policy. Like, yeah, he died and I'm his spouse. So, of course, I'm going to get his life insurance policy. There's nothing suspicious there. She testified in court that it was Jeremy's idea to obtain the life insurance policy and a failing member actually had died and they had to raise a lot of money for the burial. And so he was like, hey, bae, you have life insurance. You you work at an insurance company. Maybe that's something that we should think about. So she refuted the statement that she approached him at all about life insurance. The trial was very short, and in September, a jury convicted Alicia of premeditated first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. After the December sentencing phase, the court imposed a hard 50 years to life sentence for the murder, and it was going to be served concurrently with the 160 months that she got for the conspiracy. Pretty much with that sentence, sis... You ain't getting out. It's a hard 50. Like, they might as well say life without the possibility. Well, how old is he? Well, she was, what, 25? She done took away her golden years, man. Yeah, she'll get out at 75-ish. That hard 50 got to be, whoo. So, now she is at Topeka's CF Central Low to Medium Security Prison. You know, she's still paralyzed from the waist down, so I guess she's rolling on the first floor. And the earliest day that she can be released from prison is April 20th, 2058. How old am I going to be in 2058? 2058. I'll be 64. I'm retiring a year. I sure do hope I retire before 64. Listen, that's like our before. Dale Rogers was sentenced on December 4th, 2009 in Wayne Doak County. District Court for first-degree murder. The Kansas City Star reported that he will not be eligible for parole for 20 years. Alicia is in prison writing appeal after appeal. She is upset. Her first appeal was that the trial court committed an error by admitting into evidence certain statements made by her to police while she was a patient in the hospital. Like, I was drugged up. You can't use that, you know? Specifically, she didn't want them to talk about the third and fourth hospital interviews conducted on the third, May 3rd and May 5th of 2005. They were custodial interrogations, and she was like, those statements should have been suppressed because she wasn't Mirandized. She did acknowledge that she was also interviewed in the hospital on April 26th and April 30th of 2005 for her first and second interview, but she stated that those statements were okay to use. Just not the contradicting I like, ones. I feel like your first and second interview would be the one where you're the most fucked up. Right. Um, her appeals were, of course, denied. She can't let all this anger and disappointment hold her back. She'd been in the prison working, staying to herself, taking classes like active parenting class in 2015 and a Microsoft specialist class in 2016. I wonder who she's actively parenting. I heard she didn't give any of that settlement money to his daughter. She just was. She just paid for the funeral, and that's all. 
Um, but your boy Darrell, in 2016, he got searched while in the prison at Lansing Correctional Facility, and a guard found, quote, two large bags of drugs in his pocket, end quote. It was synthetic weed, which, you know, you got to be very careful with that shit. (laughs) Get a hole in your stomach. And, um... He was charged with possession and intent to distribute and got an extra two years and five months added on to his 20-year sentence. I mean, once a hustler, always a hustler, right? All right. Um, That's the end of the story. All right, y'all. It's time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I ain't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. So many things were wrong. So many things went wrong. I just... (laughs) Uh, Not, I ain't do it, but if I did, if we are planning a carjacking, a car robbery, nigga, somebody's got to get robbed. <laughs> it's <laughs> not just about causing injury. Because your whole story you ain't take my felt purse. Like, you ain't take nothing, not his wallet. He got all his IDs, everything. For real. You're supposed to take the ID so you be like, all right, now, if you talk, I know where you live. You know what I mean? So... I just, that's that's mistake number one, right? Do the job that is assigned to you. Um, mistake number two, if you going to pay somebody and you got the insurance money, pay the person. I just, I like, should I send you it? I know he called and asked for his money. I know he sent an invoice. I Not an invoice. I know he did. And I know he told them niggas, if you do not pay me, I'm going to turn you in. I know he did. You got to pay your debts, though. Got to, got to, got to. Like, it's already bad enough that you got this man involved, limitedly involved. Mm-hmm. Like, he really got the least amount of time, but know the whole story. You know what I mean? He's got the least the least to lose, but know the whole story. And y'all not going to pay his ass? That's crazy. Y'all thought, because that nigga let you sit for year one and year two, you was in the clear. Sometimes it's just off principle. He said you was his boy, Darrell, that y'all went way back. And you ain't going to make sure your boy get paid? That's Mm -hmm. crazy. That's a cousin of him. can't believe it. I ain't do it. But if I did, I ain't getting shot. I mean, I applaud it. But um, it's not a body part that I'm willing to lose, you know? I, I run weekly, so my legs ain't going to cut it. And um, my arms, you know, like my hands <laughs> need them. And uh, everything else is that torso, you really want to stay away. Uh, but if I had to get shot in the leg, I'd be like, nigga, like the leg, like away from like lower leg. You know what I mean? Shoot, shoot my pinky toe. I, I, like, how do I know? Do you, have you seen him shoot before? Do you trust his aim? You play with your life. And the fact that there was a bullet in the headrest above your head, girl. I know, right? <laughs> you really Russian roulette out here. <laughs> play with your life. Whew. And look at you, paralyzed over a nigga. Oh, This is the. Ain't even this really is- over a nigga, but over some piece-ass money that you blew. Right. 
over when you could have just got a divorce. Just leave. People always wonder what like divorce look like and da 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 da. Leave. Fuck them folks. They're not in your. They can't. They're not making you happy. You miserable. Leave. Don't. Cause you and if you ain't got no money to leave, then you need to be wondering why. Maybe you the problem in the relationship. I ain't do it, but if I did, I ain't leaving for no nigga who can't take care of me. Even if I got to take care of myself, I should still rely on you when times get bad. And I mean. So right. not only am I here paralyzed, but I got to fund your life, too. That's why we you don't got no more of the money. Because now one of y'all got a job. Now one of y'all. Talking about, oh, we're bored with each other. This shit ain't working no more. I bet the fuck not. You ain't living in a lap of luxury. Like, you need to get a nigga who can pay his to... own bills, bro. I don't, I don't understand you have these one girls leaving a nigga for a broke just, nigga. You, <laughs> you literally left sitting in a house with your bills being paid to paying somebody else's bills. I can't. She needed somebody. She she wanted. She couldn't have no kids, so she wanted to take care of a nigga like it was her kid. Some girls like that. Some girls like that. They like niggas being dependent on them. Mm-mm. And not saying that I want to be dependent on you, but I definitely don't want you to be dependent on me. Especially not no nigga. Like, I mean, I hate to get into gender roles and everything here, but it just don't sit right in my soul. Not while I'm out grinding. Like, not even saying you got to match me or be the breadwinner or nothing, but, like, you're going to have to put forth some effort, buddy. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have a little bit of vision, for real, for real. Mm-hmm. A lot of bit, actually. You're going to have to have some goals in life, some things that you want to accomplish. What are we working towards here? Mm-hmm. Because if we're not working towards anything, we're working against each other. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> I like the nicer things in life. Not me. <laughs> I nigga like to shop, okay? <laughs> and I can't feed this addiction on my own. Then I'm going to be looking nice, and you're going to be looking how you looking. You, you got to match my steez. I mean, uh, parole or no parole? <sighs> I mean, she, she's eligible for parole when she's, what, 75? Sure. Let her be a girl. I mean, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine a golden girl. Don't nobody fucking steal my idea. Imagine a Golden Girls, but it is all black women that get out of prison above 75. (laughs) That shit gonna be ghetto as hell. (laughs) Don't nobody steal my idea. What say you, Mariah Perel and Oprah? I don't know. Like, I probably, um, I I probably wouldn't have gave her, I probably would have gave her like 25. 25, 25 with years? Possibility. Yeah, 25 with the possibility. Hmm. You're um, not usually so lenient. This is a shocking answer for you. I know, I know. I just, I think you a dumbass for all these lies and what you put on there and spending the money. I probably would have added on another charge. You probably could have got an extra charge for uh, fraud. Um, they always forget that charge. And that's always a good one to get somebody at. What's the fraud? That insurance money. Oh, because she should never collect it if she killed her, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so well, add on well. a couple years for that. 
But no, I feel like 20, 50 is hard. You know, I probably would have gave her 25 to life. <laughs> let her get some appeals in. See, I mean, let her get some parole hearings in and see what happens. Right. Give her a chance, huh? Give her a chance. I ain't with the parole board do is what the parole board do, but let us see them. Um, yeah. All right. All right. It's time for some reviews. It's time for some reviews. If you want to leave us a review, you can do so on Apple Podcasts as well as Amazon Podcast. Is that what it's called? Audible Podcast, Amazon Podcast. You know which one. They're owned by the same company. Um, you also can leave us a rating, but not write a review on Spotify if you are a Spotify user. So make sure that you do all of that. Let's see. This one is from... All right. This one is from Mrs. Need. Ooh, it says, awesome. Five stars. I am hooked and getting everyone I know hooked. This podcast is full of life. I love all the extra and I feel like I'm with friends when listening. Please keep it up. Oh, thank you. We appreciate you so much. So, so much. All right, this one says, Hey, ladies. Been listening to your podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. Been listening to your wonderful podcast for a while now, and absolutely love you both. It's like sitting around talking with family and friends in our African-American community. Please keep doing what you're both doing. God bless. All the hearts. Oh, why, thank you. Thank you, girl. Much appreciated. Um. Okay, that was wonderful. Thank you again. Thank you for for listening to the show. Thank you for always being here. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for leaving reviews, only if they're nice ones. Thank you for emailing us when you have a problem with us instead of writing a review. And if you'd like to email us, you can do that at sisterswhokillpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to tweet us how much you like us, probably not how much you hate us, you can do that at sisterswhokill. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can DM us how much you hate us and then comment on our post how much you like us at sisterswhokillpod, on TikTok at sisterswhokillpodcast, and join the discussion group where everybody can talk about everything. Anything else, friend? Talk to us, we talk that. In our African-American community.